0: Shut up, and sit down. And here we are again. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Uh, This is episode 49 of The Quiet Part Loud that you're tuning into, and as always, I'm your host. My name's Daryl, if this is your first time listening, welcome, And, uh, and if you're coming back for a bit of punishment, glad to have you. Um, guys, straight away, let me just start by saying thank you. The numbers are growing. Um, our numbers on the social page are growing, which is fantastic, really building our domestic audience, which uh, which is really good. Um, last episode was, uh, was extremely highly engaged with, so we like that. Um, it could have had something to do with the subject matter on the title, um, but nevertheless, uh, You guys are listening, and we're appreciating it. So thank you for that. Um, As always, a little bit of housekeeping up front. Just a reminder, you can get us on iTunes. You can get us on SoundCloud. You can get us on TuneIn. You can get us on Stitcher. And if you want to follow any of our thoughts about what's going on in the world, um, or if you just want links, quick links to the episodes, then go ahead and follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search Quiet Part Loud, and it'll pop up there. You'll know it because the... um, The profile picture will be a lonely cup of coffee steaming on a desk. Um, So check us out and subscribe, like us, rate, all that good stuff. It helps with our discoverability. And, you know, when your main platform is iTunes and, uh, and Apple's a $1 trillion company, you gotta fight for some of that space. You gotta fight for some of that visibility. So anything you guys do in terms of rating us and you know showing your love and uh, and and giving us feedback on the episode, particularly on that platform, you know it always helps. But anywhere you want to do it uh, is always appreciated. And if you don't like what we're doing, tell us that we suck dick and that you want us off the air because we equally want to hear that shit too. So we're at it. We're in it. We're going. Plenty to talk about. Plenty to get into. And what I want to start with is just um, by saying it's still fucking hot as a bitch in London and uh, and I'm sweating my ass off but I love it and I'd rather have it this way any day of the week than what we can expect coming up which is going to be cold and rainy and you know everybody's going to be bitching about that soon you know be like I want the summer back you know so enjoy it because it seems like it depends what meteorology meteorologists you listen to and let's be honest none of them really know shit they do what we do they go out and look in the fucking sky in the morning and see what the deal is other than that they got a couple radars that are you know you're not gonna bet the lottery on it right so some are saying that it's it's over at the end of the week some are saying, we got this until October, so let's just hold tight, see what it is, um, but aside from me giving you the fucking weather forecast, which is definitely not what I showed up to do today, let's get into some shit. First thing I want to do is I want to recap the UFC event, which I shat all over in the last episode, um, in terms of you know just being a fucking, just being a dud. There were two fights I was you know looking to break down on the card, and that was it. Now... I got some feedback on the card. I got some thoughts on the card. And I want to run them through you real quick just to get it out of the way, and then we can get into the meat of what we're here to talk about, and there's plenty of that shit, too. So I just want to say to Renato Moisano, you're amazing. Fucking, I should have broke down the card. I should have broke down the fight with Cub Swanson, and I didn't. The performance was so impressive. He looked so good everywhere, and, uh, and he called out, Uh, Brian Ortega um, who he lost to previously I think Um, but he wants that fight again and I say let's give it to him Let's get an interim belt going Let's get something going or get rid of the other belt and just give it up to this fight because I think him versus T-City now would be uh, Would be a much better fight than it was but we haven't seen T-City fight since he knocked out Frankie Edgar in which you know He looked fucking amazing Um, and I think he's a real special type of fighter Um, but Nevertheless, um, Renato looked amazing um, and completely dismantled Cub, uh, which was great. And it it was awesome. And it goes towards something I was saying before, right? Which is like, we're in this period of changing of the guards, uh, which seems to really be true. Uh, You see the young guys coming up. You see, you know, veterans getting knocked off, as happened in the co-main event, which I don't agree with. um, And we'll get into that now because uh that was henry cejudo against uh, mighty mouse right demetrius johnson now this is demetrius johnson's 12th title defense or th- yeah i think 11 he broke the record this was going to be 12 i believe right so he's basically run that division and been the only champ in that division since it got created um, he's been running that division for six years. Um, you know, he had a couple of previous losses way back in the day when he still had a fucking full-time factory job and wasn't training um, with any seriousness or any intelligence, you know? So since he got serious on it, he's been absolutely untouchable and considered by many, if not all, to be the pound-for-pound uh, best fighter in the world and, uh, and best of all time. Right? Because he's just a complete mixed martial artist. Now, he fought Henry Cejudo two years ago and whooped his ass in about, I don't know, two and a half minutes. Right, I think he lasted two minutes and 35 seconds in the first fight. And he was just dismantled by um, DJ's knees to the ribs and to the midsection and just fucked him up, basically. It was a complete mismatch, um, as most of DJ's fights are. But the trouble with DJ is he's always gotten in- into a little bit of hot water when he's been taken down. And he's had a bigger guy... On top of him, just holding him. If the guy on top is active, DJ can usually amend to that and, and adjust to that and get out of it, or you know, capitalize on a submission, you know, during a transition or whatever it may be. But Henry Cejudo took DJ down a few times, and a few times DJ rolled and got back up, and a few times Cejudo was kind of lying on him and not really doing anything. He was kind of neutralizing the position, but they didn't stand him up like they have uh, in other bouts where they've had this emphasis on stand-up and offense and not you know, being stagnant in a position, which was kind of strange, and it goes towards the refereeing issues and the judging issues in, uh, in MMA and in the UFC because there's no consistent line of what is the marker for, right? So you're supposed to stand these guys up if they're inactive. Well, Henry Cejudo was inactive for a good deal of that fight while he was on top of DJ, but they didn't stand him up. So where's the, where's the line? Because in other fights, I've seen guys going for transitions and they've been stood up, or I've seen them throwing ground and pound from the top and they've still been stood up. Right now, which one's right and which one's wrong? And I say, well, if a guy's got a guy neutralized on the ground, well, it's the guy on the ground's job to get up. But if there is a if there is a thought process in place where we are keeping the action moving, then that fight should have stood up on, uh, been stood up and, and brought back to the feet. At which point, DJ was lighting him up leg kicks, I mean he almost had him finished in the first round with the leg kicks because um, Suhudo got so numbed out by DJ's kicks to the knee that um, he almost busted his ankle wide open if he saw that. He was stumbling around in the first round and then had the opportunity to recover. Um, You know, But I wholeheartedly think that DJ won that, right? Because my thought process with title fights is this. It is you have to beat the champ to take his belt away. You have to decisively beat him in order to remove the title from him. Especially when we're talking about a legacy like DJ who has just been, you know, clearly far and above everybody else. Now on my breakdown in the last episode, I said this. I said it depends on how much better Henry Cejudo has gotten since they last fought. And if that's enough to bridge the gap and how much DJ has improved or whether or not Father Time has sort of caught up with DJ and made him a, a quarter of a step slower. Now, I think Father Time is catching up with DJ a little bit. I think it made him an eighth of a step slower in that fight, a little bit complacent because of how Cejudo approached the fight this time. Um... But nevertheless, I don't think he lost. Not a chance. I don't think he lost that fight at all. Um, and he was very humble in defeat. Um, but I think in his heart of heart, he feels exactly how I do. And I think if you go back and watch it, you'll you'll probably see that. If you're if you're of the mindset that Cejudo beat Demetrius Johnson, I think you'll probably find um, a change of heart. Maybe not. I don't know. But that's just my feelings on it. I feel that. You know, maybe DJ is a little bit slower, um, but I think he's still the best. Um, I think he's still one of the best of all time, and I think he absolutely won that fight. Um, now you can always say, "Well, don't leave it in the hands of the judges." I get that, but we need more competent judges in the sport because the people that we have doing it now are an absolute fucking disgrace to the sport, and a they're a skid mark and a shit stain on what is otherwise a very beautiful athletic endeavor of ultimate violence and ultimate consequence. We got three douchebags sitting on the outside that have never had a fight in their fucking lives, don't know what jujitsu is, don't know how to measure um, dangerous positions versus escape versus neutral positions versus, you know, leg kicks versus head kicks versus significant strikes, whatever it may be. How a Muay Thai strike looks different than a kickboxing strike and what that means in terms of significance on where it's landed, so on and so forth. And I just think it's far, far... Past due that we need to clear this fucking uh, judging scenario out. These these the roster of judges they've got, they all need to be sacked, and we need to get ex fighters into these positions. Right? What a great transition out of fighting if you could become a judge like Frank Trigg did, for instance. He's now a referee, ex fighter, ex uh, UFC veteran, actually ref a fight on this card. I don't think it was the pseudo fight. It might have been the Cubs Swanson fight. But nevertheless, to have a sport that is growing and is as big as the UFC, to have such incompetence in the judging and the scoring system, is just now unacceptable. It's been unacceptable for a long time, but it is absolutely unacceptable now because, I mean, it always has had consequences. but. As the sport develops and as the sport gets even more technical and more sophisticated and more dynamic and, you know, more athletic with these younger guys coming up, we need judges that can disseminate technique, disseminate positions, disseminate uh, injuries and and significant strikes and all the things I just went through because we don't have them right now. And what you're going to continue to see is fucked up decisions Going the wrong way that cost people real money because there's not enough lucrative earning potential in this sport unless you're the Conor McGregor. That's it, or a Brock Lesnar. That's it because Daniel Cormier is a two-weight world champion currently and is active and he's not making the money that these guys are making, that Conor McGregor's making or the Brock Lesnar will make when he fights uh, once he's gone through and cleared the USADA doping program, which will be a fucking stretch. Um, And I think there's going to be a whole bunch of wink-wink scenarios on that. So I hope they don't fuck DC for all the work that he's done for the UFC. I hope they make Brock Lesnar go through that program stringently (coughs) and are super strict with him. (coughs) Because the fact that he got to dope his eyeballs out and beat the shit out of Mark Hunt and cause irreparable brain damage to Mark Hunt, and then still got paid five million bucks, is a fucking disgrace. So they need to hold him accountable, they need to run him through the program, and they need to ensure that he's clean. Because there's no way that a guy like that should be even in the octagon, if there's a sniff test that goes wrong, in my opinion. So, I just want them to get the fucking judging right, because I don't agree with the DJ um, Cejudo decision, And there's a whole reason, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons around how we can fix that, why that's happening. Um, So I just hope it's addressed sooner rather than later. And that's the same with the weight cut issue as well. They need to fucking sort that out and they need to just add more divisions. That's all there is to it. If you build it, they will come, right? Field of Dreams type of shit. So build the 65 division, build the 75 division, build the fucking whatever it is, you know, build them in 10 pound increments all the way up to heavyweight. Just do it or go to light heavyweight and then do a heavyweight, you know, so I just think they've got some work to do because I think that was a terrible decision and put an end to a legacy that could have continued and with the result of the main event could have set up one of the greatest super fights that we've seen in, in, in UFC history, which would have been between Demetrius Johnson and TJ Dillashaw. So moving on to the main event, we had the rematch of TJ versus Cody. And obviously, you know what the result is now because I've already just fucking told you. But if you watched the event, which I imagine you probably did, you saw what was just a clean, masterful striking performance, a kickboxing performance. It was just perfect. He is so good. TJ Dillashaw is so good. He's the best Bantamweight there's ever been. The way he dismantled um, Hennen Barrow when he was a massive underdog. And that's why I said to you guys, you can get three to one on Cejudo and you never know how this is gonna go. And that would be easy money if you take an underdog in a title fight. And I was right. Three to one a week before the fight. You could have lumped some money on that and made a real windfall. So. Um, you know, TJ was a massive underdog against Hennenborough and just schooled him. And then on the fucking, on the rematch of that fight, it wasn't even close. They were in two different leagues. The same thing happened in this fight. And that's what impresses me the most about TJ Dillashaw is how impressive he is and how he continues to grow and get better. And his relationship with Dwayne Ludwig, as um, I mentioned in the last one, I didn't know how much they were still training together because TJ moved down to California, but they're obviously still thick as thieves and basically two peas in a pod because their relationship is tight as it's ever been. And I mean, it just shows what a cohesive unit does, right? DJ and Matt Hume, um, uh, TJ and Dwayne Ludwig. You know, people like this. This this combination factor of 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 Connor and um, and John Kavanaugh, like these really solid camps that have history an actual, like, grit between the teeth and, you know, dirt under the fingernails for the trials and tribulations and the struggles and the work that they've done together. All of these things. I think it's really important. AKA, same thing with um, with DC and Kane and the team down there and Javier Mendez and, and, and these guys. You know, you need that cohesion and I think Cody really suffered from it because I think Alpha Male is fractured. I think they're trying to build a stable of fighters up there that is trying to do more with... You know more people. I don't know. I'm basically talking out of my ass in terms of how alpha males run because I don't know. Um, But the way Cody prepared for this fight was wrong. He was a squared up brawler approach. And with a guy that's as dynamic as TJ is, you just are going to get fucked up every time with that. And you saw it because he was too clean. He was quicker to the punch. He had Cody's Uh, Right hand measured. He was blocking it up every time, and he kept seeing it three times. Come, cracked him. Game over. Game fucking over. First round. It was second round in the first fight. He's like, fuck that. Let's get this done. I'm I'm off to the after party. So he absolutely starched him, and he looked phenomenal doing it. I think he really exposed Cody Garbrandt. I think Cody Garbrandt is going to have. I mean, he's gonna have to move divisions. He's gonna have to go up to 145, I think. In which case he's gonna be smaller at that division, I believe. And I don't know, man. Like this is how it goes, right? You fucking force the issue too much and, and create too much animosity, you go into a fight with hate and uh and anger in your heart, and you're not relaxed, it's you know, it's never a good outcome. So, um it's uh yeah, it's just tough because obviously Cody was doing some good things on the outside of the octagon and, you know, he's uh, he's a pretty marketable guy, but fuck all that, man, because I'm in this game and I'm a fan of this sport for skill, for the evolution, and TJ Dillashaw exemplifies that. And I think when he's done, if he continues on this fucking just steamrolling path that he's on, I think he's gonna go down as one of the best of all time without a doubt i mean he's already in he's in he's already probably in the conversation for like top 10 12 15 ish but he's moving up moving up the guys he's beat the way he's beaten like it's just it, he's undeniable he's undeniable what a savage he is and he fucking loves it and you can tell he fucking loves it he loves fighting you know he looks like he's gonna have brain damage when he's older because I've heard, you know, stories about him in the gym where he he spars like it's a real fight, and that's never going to have long-term consequences that are good for the brain. But while he's doing it, he's very cohesive. He's very uh, coherent when he talks. Um, so fingers crossed that none of that shit creeps in. But the way he's going now, he's he's... He is paving himself a legacy that is um, that is unquestionable and undeniable and it's going to put him right up there with the best of all time when he's all said and done. So congratulations to him. That's how you don't leave it in the judge's hands. And to be honest, I think if him and Mighty Mouse would have fought, I think TJ Dillashaw would have probably fucked him up. So that's just my thoughts on the recap um, of, uh, of 227. Now... In addition to the fight card, we had International Fight Week. And I'll just give you guys a heads up, right? Because we're 20 minutes in and I probably should have done it at the beginning. But skip past this if you're not a UFC fan. And if you turn it off, then fuck you. See you later, right? We're talking about everything over here. We're talking about everything. We're hitting Trump today. We're hitting uh, the movies today. We're hitting, um, we're hitting Boris Johnson today. We're hitting um, Alex Jones today. <clears throat> All of it's to come, but we're talking UFC right now. Okay, because that's what I want to talk about, right? So here we go. It was also International Fight Week, the week of the fight. So what you get on International Fight Week is a look forward to some of the fights that they're calling, uh, that they're that they're that they're making, and they line them up, and you get a good at you got you get a good sense of what's coming over the next few months. And this fucking this just hypes me up because it gets me, it gets me. uh... It just gets me pumped for what's coming because I love this fucking sport so much. It's the best thing we've got in terms of sports. Absolutely. All the other sports out there, they don't have any consequences other than monetary or wins and losses. There's no damage being done in baseball. There's no damage being done in football. There's no damage being, um, soccer, I mean. There's no damage being done in uh, in basketball. Like, none of this shit, right? But in fighting, you can die, Right? You can get your fucking face rearranged. You can need plastic surgery when you're done 15 minutes in the octagon. Real consequences, right? It's the most primordial baseline emotion that we have. Defend yourself, right? So when they announce these cards, I get super hyped because I'm like, well, what's going to happen, right? All the expectations and all the hype around possibility comes into play. And the two that I'm most interested in, the two that I'm most interested in, the first is Darren Till versus Tyron Woodley. Tyron, Tyrone, fucking, I give a fuck. Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till. Okay? I don't know when this is happening. I think it's happening in uh, November, October or November. I'm not sure if it's on the other card that I'm going to mention in a minute, but if it is, ooh, 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 ooh. I mean... Yeah. Anyways, I'm fucking, I'm humming and hawing. I'm thinking to myself over here, how am I going to say this? But I'm just going to fucking say it. So Darren Till and Tyrone Woodley are fighting for the welterweight title. And if you saw the standoff between these two savages, some things become very, very evident. All right. One, Darren Till is not a welterweight, right? He's barely a fucking middleweight, okay? And that's why I've said in previous shows, if this kid stays healthy, he's going to be a three-weight world champ. Maybe not consistently, because he'll probably have to relinquish. Because in my estimation, and I don't think you can get any odds on this already, because people have checked it now, and people understand. Darren Till is about six inches taller than Tyron Woodley, at least. Um... I don't know what the reach discrepancy is, but I feel that Tyrone Woodley is going to get dismantled. The only chance in hell that Tyron Woodley has of beating Darren Till is if he hits him with a right hand and, you know, KOs him. Or stuns him and gets him down and ground and pounds him. Or for some reason he can wrestle him and beat him on the ground. I don't see that happening. I think Darren Till is way too fucking big for Tyron Woodley to even takedown so he's gonna have to play the outside now you saw darren till fight with steven Wonderboy thompson in a very very methodical technical bout that people were like oh, it's boring boring no it's not no it's not that's a guy with 10 years more experience in fighting than darren till who is a technical striker and a technical fighter and darren till beat him at his own game so he can play that role but that's not his role because if you check one fight before that and you go look at the cowboy fight, he walked him down and beat the shit out of him. That is what I think he's gonna do to Tyrone Woodley. Then he's gonna be the 175 pound, or the 170 pound champ. He has already said that he wants basically Colby Covington to shut his fucking mouth about this interim title fight and he's gonna give him a title shot straight away. He said I want it straight away, right? So potentially before the fucking year is out, right? That he could have this first title defense a month or two after winning the belt, right? And nobody in that division is taking it from Darren Till once he's got it. I'm telling you, he's probably going to have two fights at welterweight. Then he's going to give up the title. That's my thoughts on it, right? Then he's going to go up to middleweight. And as a title holder at welterweight, he will most likely be given a title fight or a warm-up, then a title fight at middleweight. And if the champ is still Robert Whittaker, I think Darren Till beats Robert Whittaker as well. Now, the question is, DC's on the shelf and will probably be retired by the time time Darren Till considers doing light heavyweight, which I think is an inevitability um, maybe in the next two years. Uh, But I don't see anybody on that roster apart from maybe Gustafson that would even give Darren Till a run. I really don't. I'm so fucking hyped on this kid right now. I just think he's such a savage. And if you listen to him speak, you know atypical personalities when you see him or you hear him. And he is an atypical personality. He is not interested in anything other than winning. He wants to be the best in this sport. He knows that all the attributes, all the financial gain will come along with it. He's got one focus and that's to fuck people up. And I love that. Not to mention, he's got that Scouse accent. He's got that very kind of brash look about him. He's very simply dressed, but quite stylish. I think the whole thing around Darren Till is fucking incredible. And I think this boy is gonna run the game. He's your next guy, man. He's your. Connor's got a couple fights left and he's out. Okay? Move over because the face of UK MMA for the next decade is going to be Darren Till. So I'm telling you right now, anybody that's listening to this, anybody that's an earshot, if you're a fucking sponsor or you want to get into the MMA game, you better call Darren Till's agent right now and say, can we please get something with him now? Write your terms, man. You better try to negotiate your terms now because in a couple of months, This guy's gonna explode. And I'm gutted because I haven't had him on the show, but I'm gonna try to do that after this show to see if we can't just have a little 15 minutes something, you know, because I'd love to talk to the guy. I'd love to pick his brain about training and just his thought process, and I'd love to give you guys that haven't heard him talk uh, the opportunity to hear him um, and where his mindset is. Because it's next level shit. It's so focused, and I think he's gonna whoop. Tyron Woodley, Tyrone Woodley's ass. I don't like Tyrone Woodley. I think he's a fucking punk. I think he's been sitting on the sidelines, faking injuries and shit. I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't think he's a scared fighter. There's just nothing I like about him. I don't like his style of fighting. I don't like his style of uh, kind of showboating, (coughs) talking shit, the way he kind of shows up and like, you know, tries to show out. It's just not my style. I got nothing to do with Tyron Woodley. My Chips are all the way on the till side of the fight here. And I think stylistically, from a talent perspective, he's just way more put together as an athlete and as a fighter. And I think, I think it's going to be a fucking devastating loss for Tyron Woodley. I think it's a career ender for Tyron Woodley, if I'm being completely honest. Um, because where do you go from there? Because most people were saying that Kobe Covington was a tough fight for Tyron Woodley right and he's trying to say i'm the best in this welterweight division i'm better than gsp motherfucker suck my dick okay suck my dick gsp is one of the top two or three greatest one two or three greatest of all time you take your pick and i'll have an argument for you right you want to disagree with my position in the one two three then have a conversation with me and we can debate that all fucking day long right Tyron Woodley's not even in the conversation for greatest of anything. Not even in the conversation. So fuck that. Darren Till, in my opinion, is going to run through this motherfucker, put his career to bed, take on Colby Covington, fuck him up devastatingly because Colby Covington, right? I mean, skill-wise, everybody's like fucking high and mighty on this guy after his last fight. And I'm just like, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. He's not going to be able to take Darren Till down. Fuck that. You kidding me? It's a joke. So who's 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 next? Who's next in the welterweight division? So he wins the title, defends the title, go up to 185, and fuck that division up too, Mr. Till. I'm a I'm a big supporter, man. I'm a big supporter. You got a fan over here, brother. So um You've got an open invite to ever come on the show, just so you know, and I'll tag you in this afterwards so you hear all about it, right? So, that's the first fight that I'm hyped about, right? Did I I put that across enough? Did I make that clear enough for you? Okay, number two, (coughs) you can probably guess what's coming for this one, right? Absolutely. It is the long-awaited, highly anticipated matchup at 155, between Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor, right? So we'll just we'll just put this line in the sand now. This is the biggest fight in MMA history, from a consequences point of view, from a legacy point of view, but also from a numbers point of view. It's gonna smash all the numbers that that Conor already holds, anyways. But I think this is gonna do 2.2, 2.3 million pay-per-view buys. It's gonna be huge. It's gonna save the UFC's year, in my opinion, right? Now, we haven't had a square off yet, (laughs) and holy fuck when we do, right? Russia versus Ireland? Fuck me. These are the two most savage people. One, there's footage of him wrestling a bear as a fucking nine-year-old, and the other one is basically a fucking gypsy that got rich from Ireland right? Savage, gypsy, fighter, struggle mentality that's ascended beyond the sport, become bigger than the sport. International superstar, have his own documentary, right? Number three or number two on the Forbes athlete richest list. Come on, baby. This motherfucker is an icon. Love him or hate him, he is an icon. And he's been out for two years. Of course he's been out for two years. He can be out for two years. He made $100 million off the Floyd fight. I'd be taking two years off too. But he's not out of shape. Look at him. He's not out of shape. He's been training. He's been in the gym. He's staying ready. There may be a period of time there where he was like fucking off and just like in Ibiza, like drinking and partying. Of course. Of course. And of course he went off the fucking rails throwing a dolly at a bus. But what a promo he cut. And didn't I tell you, he cut a fucking promo. When it happened, I said on this show, he cut a promo there. If he wanted to get on that bus, you don't think he could have got on that bus? You think Khabib wanted to get off that bus, he couldn't have gotten off that bus? These are the craziest, most savage motherfuckers in the entire world. These are fighters. If they want to get 10 of their boys to come in a bus, guess what? If they want to get on that bus, they're getting on that bus. And the other way around, if you got 10 Russian savages on that bus, not to mention all the other fighters that were on that bus, if they wanted to get off that bus, there's no fucking security or camera guys stopping them from getting off that bus. They cut a promo. They cut a promo. Now, is it real or fake? I don't fucking know. I assume it's probably a real beef between Art Lobov and and Khabib that that, that, then kind of, you know, uh, flooded over into... um, into Connor's ear and he had to retaliate and wanted to retaliate because he knew what was coming and knew how to stir things up. You think this guy is not a master marketer? Look at what he's done in six years. In six years, he's gone from collecting a welfare check to being the second or third highest paid athlete in the world. That's not an accident, guys. That's not a person doing it by mistake, guys. That's I know what I'm doing. I'm going to maximize my potential. I'm going to take every opportunity I can. I'm going to make as much money. I'm going to fucking bounce. And that's what he's going to do. So you've got two more fights for Conor in my opinion. One. Is the one we're talking about now. With Khabib. And I haven't picked. A winner. In this fight yet. um, That I've. That I've. Highlighted here. But. If he does win, then George St. Pierre has already expressed an interest in fighting the winner, right? Because that's all he wants. He wants to do things that interest him, GSP, right? Things that are going to help build on the legacy he already has. And if you've got a guy who's 25-0 and 0 in Khabib, who then beats Conor mercilessly for five rounds then that's a fight that GSP wants because he is, A, got a chance to get the title in a division that he didn't have it in, 155, right? So it would hold, it would, it would make him <coughs> the first three-weight world champion. So that's important for GSP's legacy. But if he, if Connor beats Khabib and starches him, Well, then it's, then the Khabib and the Conor fight becomes the second biggest fight in UFC history because the GSP and Conor fight will fucking, it'll tear the world in half. It'll move mountains and shit. It's that big, right? It's enormous if that happens. And a GSP considered, you know, one of, if not the greatest of all time versus a guy who's trying to be considered, you know, champ champ, double, um, double 55 pound holder champ, uh, two time 55 champ. Um, You know, he's trying to do all this, beat the unbeatable, beat the savage Russian, right? He's the biggest star in the fucking world if he beats Khabib. It's it's a different stratosphere that Conor McGregor exists in if he beats Khabib. Are you fucking kidding me if he beats Khabib? Khabib hasn't even lost a round. He's ragdolled everybody. We've seen him fucked up once, and that was when Michael Johnson cracked him. But in the Ally Aquinta fight, he showed how bad his stand-up was. And that's a real problem for me. Because I think that missile that Conor's got in four-ounce gloves that comes from his left hand... Starches and sleeps anybody, including Khabib. So if if Connor's training smart and correct, and you know doing all those other things that he needs to do in terms of worrying about the takedown and the forward momentum, if he comes in like he or, usually does, chin up. Goddamn, is that a bullseye for that missile? And I think we're going all the way to the bank, cashing all the fucking checks to the bank, because then you set up Connor's last fight and GSP's last fight, in my opinion. Which is the culmination of both of their careers, the biggest fight in UFC history, and the peak of which this sport will get to for many, many years. I think Conor's going to win this fight. Now, I am perhaps the most biased Conor fan, but I'm looking at it pragmatically. And I just think that Khabib is a berserker, right? He mm. comes forward. He hits. He grabs a hold. He takes you down. He smashes you until you can't take it anymore. If Conor can stay on his bike, stick and move, be agile, avoid the, grap, uh, the grappling, avoid the takedown, he's got a real chance. He's got a real chance. If Khabib takes him down, there's a good chance that Conor McGregor could be disfigured permanently. And Khabib's already said that that's what he wants to do. So that's terrifying. But Connor, being the savage that he is, this is exactly what he wants. This is what gets him out of bed. It's not a rematch with Dustin Poirier. It's let me fight the Russian that fights Bears. Let me fight the Russian that starched every single opponent he's ever had. Let me fight the Russian that's never lost a round. Because that's what I do. i fight anybody. i fight the guys that people don't want to fight. I'll move up in weight class. I'll move down in weight class. I'll go boxing. It doesn't matter. And that's why people love Conor. And I just think with some of the attributes that Conor has, if he can avoid the obvious attributes we know Khabib will come with, then he's got a real chance. And if he connects with that fucking lightning bolt, good night. Good night, Mother We're going to the bank and we cash cashing checks. And then we set up the GSP fight. My dick is already hard for that. So I didn't expect to go 40 minutes into the UFC breakdown, um, but I'll put it in the show notes that that's how you skip forward and and, and we'll put the marker on uh, 39 minutes, let's say. Um, But that's that's my 227 recap and that's the two fights coming up for the remainder of the year that have me just gushing with excitement at the potential of what this could lead to. So, there you go, guys. There you go. That's how we're fucking starting. That's 40 minutes. That's 40 minutes and I'm not even warmed up yet. What are we doing? What are we moving on to next? Let me clear something out of the way real quick, okay? In my younger days, I used to be a huge movie fan. Movie buff, aficionado, didn't matter. I would watch anything. Japanese, French, German, fucking Iranian movie, whatever, man, anything, 1920s, 1930s, silent films, 1980s, whatever, anime films, animated films, dramas, comedy, did not fucking matter, I'd watch everything, I used to have a thousand or so DVDs stacked up, got rid of them because that was the dumbest purchase decision I'd ever made in my entire life because, uh, you know, for some reason I thought CDs were the end of technology's advancements in terms of how we viewed content, right? Not only was that incorrect, it was wildly wrong, so I got rid of them all. Now, I'm still a movie fan, for sure, but I'm much more selective. And I think with good reason, right? Because I watched The Justice League. I say I watched it. I put on The Justice League. And if you haven't seen The Justice League, it's where every fucking superhero you've ever heard of gets together to fight some guy with horns on his head. Okay? And it's terrible. 30 minutes I got into this fucking film and shut it off. It is one of the worst pieces of shit that I've ever cast my eyes upon. And... I feel offended for having invested 30 minutes into it. And I feel offended for even trying to pretend that Ben Affleck could be uh, Batman. Um, it's atrocious. It's the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. It's worse than Superman and Batman, of which I got 45 minutes into. Um, but I am done categorically with these stupid fucking superhero movies. They are a waste of time. They are overproduced. They were. I mean, the start of this fucking thing was the guy, Caville who plays Superman. And you can tell they've CGI'd his mustache out. It's the most dumb shit I've ever seen in my life. So, I'm done with these fucking superhero movies, because they're a waste of two hours every time you switch one on. And, um, yeah, you can't get that time back. So, so, I just wanted to tell you guys, if you haven't seen it, don't fucking watch it, because it's a piece of shit. And, I mean, speaking of massive pieces of shit, can we just move on to a second, uh, for a second, to uh, the recent banning of Alex Jones and Infowars content from Facebook and from YouTube and from wherever else decided to jump on this uh, freedom of speech restriction train? Um, I don't. So, I've spoken about some things in this kind of realm before, and the problem is, is that companies like YouTube and companies like Facebook and Twitter and whatever, Snapchat and any other social communities, they seem to be growing more and more comfortable with be becoming the arbiters of free speech, what's allowed, What's what should be present in the public discourse. And I think, as I said before, freedom of speech goes all the way across the spectrum, right? Where it doesn't go, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinions, is when it incites hate, uh, when it incites violence through hate towards other people. So if you are directly calling for an attack on a certain type of person, you know, um, or if your words are going to directly impact, uh, you know, violence against other people, then I think we have to look at marginalizing the outlets in which that speech can be delivered. Um, but I think, I think, I think Alex Jones and Infowars is a funny one, right? Because you know, I started out by saying, you know, and let's talk about another piece of shit. There's, he is a piece of shit. He is a snake oil salesman. He is a, a just a complete, um, he's, a, he's a piss take, one, one, for, for one, but he's also someone who takes advantage of idiots, right? And I don't know, is that, that's, maybe that's a smart thing, right? Because he's admitted that what he does is performance art. But he did that more, I think, as a cover-up so he wouldn't get sued. Um, I think he can claim interdimensional child molesters and sex rings and pedophiles and things like that. But when you start naming pizza places that are running um, kitty sex rings in their basement and then someone shows up there with a gun, we got a problem, right? When you start accusing the um, parents of Sandy Hook as being actors, um, saying that the tragedy was a false flag, didn't happen, those kids didn't die. And that has begun to incite violence towards those parents. We've got a problem. So, in my perspective, I think some of his content should absolutely be removed from the internet because it has incited violence towards other people. But for the most part, he's just a joke. Now, I guess the, the issue here is who the fuck gave YouTube and Facebook the power of, of, of censoring what they think is allowed or not? Because, again, like I've said before and like I'm sure you've heard, you can, you can get ISIS beheading videos on YouTube. You can get some really gory shit on YouTube and you can get some really outlandish terrible shit on Facebook as well. I mean, spend 2 minutes in a YouTube comment section and you'll see how bad people can be. Try to have a try to have an intellectual debate on Facebook and watch it Collapse into the lowest common denominator of conversation in terms of name-calling and put-downs and insults and But What the fuck did you expect? Like we have all this faith in people like they're good and like they're competent But the truth is they're not for the most part For the most part people are unreliable simple uh, Simple-minded and fucking selfish and jealous and all of the other complex emotions that go into people to say people are inherently good is to misunderstand the makeup of human beings we are far more complex than being for the most part good right anxious and jealous and and scared and and angry and you know there's a whole spectrum of emotion and we expect that you know we're just going to open these fucking forums up to every single one of us that wants to you know sign up and and it's just going to be this place of harmony and grace and and beautiful cohesion and things like that's not people man people are way different than that but these companies ultimately at the end of the day they're free to do what they want right unless their shareholders turn around and you know, say we got a massive problem with this. We don't. We don't want you arbitrate. You know, being the arbiter of, uh, of of free speech and truth and what we consider. You know, you to be doing is actually censorship. Unless that happens, they're not going to change. They're going to do what they want, and they're run by liberals, right? So, um, if you can hear that in the background, we got a guest uh, staying over with us for the day, um, a French bulldog, and he's going a bit mental with the toys that we have here. Um, oh, fuck! Was I saying? Um, yeah, so, <laughs> Napoleon, sit down, buddy, sit down, go relax, I'm just fucking gargling. Um, my, my personal opinion about free speech I've stated before, and and it's generally this, taking into account the implications that I mentioned, right, does it incite violence against a specific group of people, um, does it cause bodily harm to a specific group of people, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Other than that, I think it should be there. I think it should be allowed to be said, it should be allowed to be printed, it should be allowed to be distributed, and it should be allowed to be consumed by whoever wants to consume it. And the reason being is that when you shut these sorts of things off, or when you censor them, what you do is you send them back into a, not a state of dormant uh, dormancy, but more, um, they're kind of... They're kind of dormant, they're kind of hibernating, but not really. They only appear that way to you because you don't see them any right anymore, right? So it's like out of sight, out of mind. We don't have to worry about that anymore. But that's precisely the opposite of what happens when you censor people, right? Prohibition of any kind doesn't work. It just doesn't right it's gonna it's gonna entice more people to go check it out what are you hiding from me what are you telling me I can't have again one of the nuances of the human personality is tell me I can't have something and I'm gonna want it more and that's just the way we are so if you tell people you know we're not going to allow this speech there's gonna be a whole range of people that are gonna be like "Well, well what is that speech that's been banned is it so bad And I would say for the most part with Alex Jones, it's just fluff. If you are so inclined to believe everything that comes out of Alex Jones' mind, good luck to you. Good luck to you. Now, if you turn what Alex Jones says into your own mission against a certain person, group of people, faith, religion, creed, color, whatever then you're a fucking retard and actually you're just a criminal so you need to be dealt with accordingly right don't get this twisted about alex jones like he's some fucking savior of the people and some um what we call him like some some great revealer of all the dark secrets and dark arts and dark truths of the world that you know we don't actually want to talk about or we don't want revealed because it would uncover a cabal and all of these secret societies and all of this shit, right? Do you know what Alex Jones does? Do you know what Alex Jones does and what he has done basically his entire career on the radio and online and, you know, on his website, Infowars and shit like that? He sells diet products. He sells diet pills. He sells supplements of, you know... (laughs) varying degrees of success i guess i've never really looked at them um in depth but he sells diet pills he sells supplements he sells air filtration systems and he sells survival kits right so what this man has done is he's cornered the market he's cornered the market of fucking retards that's what he's done he said let me let me get together all the people that believe this crazy shit and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in overdrive I'm gonna put it on steroids and I'm gonna go fucking whole hog against this stuff because it's a freedom of speech you know it's a First Amendment right that I can do and say what I want but this is the thing we have now moved into a a, a fanatical liberal progressive world where everybody takes the opportunity to be offended by everything now I'm not saying that everything that Alex Jones says is harmless because it's not. And there are cited examples that I've already mentioned, one being these fucking crazy bastards that are pitching up in the neighborhoods of these Sandy Hook parents saying, prove that your kid's alive, prove that your kid's dead, prove that this didn't happen, all this crazy shit, right? Can't have it. Can't have it. When you're talking about interdimensional child rapists and people are buying into that, flat earth, say what you want. Once you name Bill's Pizza in fucking Washington DC and some crazy fuck shows up with a handgun, we've got a problem. So can we start to see the delineation of, of, of how freedom of speech potentially should be Regulated, if that's the right word for it. Tell me the earth is flat all day long. I don't care if you get a Facebook group that's got 70 million people in it, okay? That doesn't matter. If you say the earth is flat and anybody that doesn't believe it should be killed or should be attacked for being a patsy or, you know, a slave of the government, we got a fucking problem, right? It's a different thing. It's a different thing. My problem is YouTube and Facebook and platforms like this just kind of say, eh, we're liberal progressive fanatics that are running the fucking place, so we don't like it. Let's get rid of it. And that's just not the way to do business. And if you act as a censorship platform, while you've got people like Logan Paul running around showing pictures of dead bodies hanging from trees and, you know, um, stun gunning, fucking uh, tasering dead rats, and his main audience are seven year olds. Get that piece of shit off of the fucking internet. Because he's a corruptive, de- corrosive. Factor in these developmental years of these children and we need to minimize that but as a grown adult fucking watch what you want watch what you want But if that content incites violence against a specific group or people Can't have it. There's got to be some regulation there But again, I don't think you ban a person for that. I think you remove that specific content but this is wider than this problem, right? The, Alex Jones is kind of the tip of the spear here in terms of you know the fanatical right and bringing those conspiracy theories together. And he's got a massive audience, and you know he's um, you know he's harassed Bernie Sanders in an airport, holding the fucking cell phone in front of his face, basically just yelling at him, fucking yelling conspiracy theories. Like that's harassment, dude. Like you know that kind of shit shouldn't shouldn't happen, but. My problem is where this leads to. And I don't mean it from the Alex Jones side of it because we want to know who those people are. We don't want those people put back in the closet. We need to see those people. You need to see the people that believe in Bigfoot without reservation. You need to know the people that think this earth is flat. You need to know who thinks the government perpetrated 9-11. You need to think and know about the people that think that the cloud lines in the sky are the government dropping chemicals on us. We need to know who these people are so that we can frame them accordingly, give them access to the public discourse, and humiliate them with intellect and facts when they enter into the public discourse. You can't shun these people away. That's an issue, and that includes Alex Jones. I think take Alex Jones's content down if and when it incites violence and harm against a specific person, race, religion, that sort of thing, absolutely cut that shit off, but do not pull this man from the internet. I'm absolutely against it. As much as I hate him, as much as I can't stand anything that comes out of his mouth, he's a very easy person to debunk. He is a very easy person to see straight through. And when you know what his motives are, which is strictly making money, you can understand why he leads himself down this path and why he leads his audience down this path. You can't sell survival gear if everybody thinks the fucking world is... Good, hunky dory, everything's positive, everybody kumbayaing around the fucking campfire. That's not gonna work. You don't sell air filtration systems if everything in the world is breathable. You wanna know, you want people to know that the government is spraying you with chemicals, and if you don't get this air filtration system, Well, you might be part of the problem or you might become part of the problem. You might get influenced into thinking something that the liberal elite media wants you to think. Goddamn pedophiles and intergalactic rapists. I get so mad. I get so mad. Hillary is the devil. Well, we got the reports. We got the findings. We got the facts. Okay, well, fucking show me then. Shut the fuck up for five minutes and show me. I want facts. I've been having a a kind of an ongoing... Call it a debate. Debate is the wrong word. I've been having an ongoing um, poking fun session uh, with a guy I'm friends with who lives in Canada who finds it his... um, Finds it... (laughs) Finds it interesting to post videos about suspected... Bigfoot sightings and every time he does I check it out why because I want to know what makes uh, an otherwise you know sensible person think such craziness because I'm of the opinion that says if Bigfoot's alive if, if Bigfoot's around awesome If we find him, if he pokes his fucking head out of the Montana wilderness one day and says, hey, I'm starving. I've eaten all the fucking berries up there. I I need something. Somebody throw me a banana or a fucking peach or something. If he wanders out into the street or some hunters or some hikers or whatever stumble across him, capture documented footage of him, um, you know... We get some hair samples that are categorically not of any species, or uh, you know, a- any any traceable genetics back to species we know. If you can give me something concrete, I'll turn around and say, "Fucking amazing! Look at this huge eight-foot monkey that absolutely has been hanging around in the forests of the world, and we just haven't known about it." I'll say, "Fucking ace! That's so cool." That is so cool that we got Bigfoot running around. That would be fucking amazing. Let's see if we can sedate him, take a blood sample, take a hair sample, get that DNA, and let's see if we can assess, you know, the lineage and the uh, and the evolutionary path that the um, that the uh, that the Bigfoot took, and then let him back out into the forest and go fuck whatever camels or deers or whatever part of the world he's in. Get going, right? But what you always hear with people who supposedly believe in Bigfoot is it's always used in the singular, right? It's generally always used in the singular. Like there's one big fucking monkey that's being sighted all around the world and all around these different places over all these decades and shit like that. For one, you need a guy and a girl because they gotta fuck, right? Because let's put the lifespan of this animal at 120 years. The first bullshit video that was released way back in the day where it looked like um, The Undertaker was lumbering across the beach in the fucking monkey suit. That thing was already full grown, right? So what's he, 90 now? 100 now? 120? Has he fucked... Is there? Has anybody ever seen a baby Bigfoot? Has anybody looked for a baby Bigfoot? Surely they'd be crying if they were hungry. You know, it's it, it's just really funny to me that we, we discover every year we're discovering new creatures six miles deep in the ocean or whatever, right? Two miles deep into the ocean. There's a fucking crab, an albino crab that's never been found before. And it's like, oh, this thing's amazing. We found this thing. It's amazing. And you're like fucking brilliant that's amazing we got a new species right how many big fucking primates primates have we found over the last 50 years that we didn't know about before almost none maybe but we have this fascination with it right and this guy just he gets so mad he gets so mad and so offended When you say, listen, dude, I I don't get why you're spending so much time on this. Like, I don't know why you put an ounce of thought into this. Oh, I don't spend any time thinking about it. Well, you do because you post videos about it all the fucking time. And you get all kinds of feelings when anybody says anything other than absolutely agrees with you that the possibility of Bigfoot, um, uh, the possibility that Bigfoot exists is real. And I'm just like, well, I always, hey, careful, I always reserve the possibility that Bigfoot's real, aliens are real, Loch Ness Monster's real, uh, ghosts are real, people are psychics, you know, all these things. Now, of all of the above, I think the alien one is the most probable just because Even trying to wrap your head around the size of the universe and our, you know, billions of galaxies is just unfathomable. Our brains aren't made to comprehend such size and such scale. You know, so all we can say is kind of like, well, if we're here and it's as big as I kind of as big as my brain can comprehend it is, then maybe there is something around. But you're talking about a fucking eight foot, nine foot monkey. The diet alone on one of these things. Let alone a family of them. Like they could just stay hidden. Like the thousands of idiots that dedicate their lives to finding these things. And the absolute lack of proof. Right? It's like uh, crop circles and shit. Just because you don't know how it's done doesn't mean it's aliens. Right? Just because there's a big print in the jungle somewhere or in the mountain somewhere doesn't mean it's Bigfoot. Just because they may not know what a hair sample is straight away doesn't mean it's defaulting to, well, that's Bigfoot. There's zero evidence for Bigfoot. Zero evidence, right? Like there's zero evidence for, I don't know, God? It takes faith, right? And if you have faith in something, then your critical thinking ability is diminished because you're not putting all the variables together in terms of critically thinking about why this could and why this could not be a potential thing. Again, I don't fucking know if there's a God, but I'm not going to be the one that comes out and says, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Absolutely. Not only that, but he knows what you're thinking. He knows what you feel. He's with you every fucking time. He's omnipresent. And you better do all of these things or you're going to piss him off. And that's not good because then there's consequences to that, right? I'm not that guy. The burden of proof is not on me. If you believe in something, the burden of proof is on you to show me that. And if you don't provide me with adequate, adequate proof, evidence, facts, information that categorically puts it to rest, then what other choice do I have than to doubt you? And to be skeptical about it. That's called critical thinking. That's called critical thinking. And if you don't have that. You'll believe anything. Right? That's kind of where I am on this. And that's kind of where I am on the Alex Jones thing as well. If you don't know categorically that Sandy Hook wasn't faked. You're a fucking asshole. If you think that those were kid actors that are somewhere else in the world right now and didn't get massacred by a psychopath with a gun, you are a fucking piece of shit. And you will probably be in Alex Jones' fan club. And if you are, okay, cool. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want anything to do with you. We've got nothing to talk about. If one of the If one of the facts that you hold true in this world is that that massacre at that primary school of those little children as young as three years old was fake, we got nothing to talk about. You can fucking suck my balls. You can get out of my face, take a fucking hike, I'm not interested in hearing anything else you have to say. Okay, you discredit yourself entirely by making claims like that. It didn't take that for me to say Alex Jones is a complete fucking nutbag and he's clearly just making money off of these idiots who probably think in some capacity the same things he does. I don't think for a minute Alex Jones believes all the shit he says. Not for a minute. He's playing a fucking game. He makes a shit ton of money selling you products off the back of the bile that he spews out of his mouth. Right? That's it. Go check his website out and go click on the store. He's a snake oil salesman. That's it. He is a snake oil salesman and you cannot compare him to CNN or even Fox News or even Breitbart because it's not even to that extent. This guy has a commercial proposition that he reinforces and because there's such a, a, an amount of people in the US population, and I'm sure you know more widespread than that, that can actually buy into these conspiracy theories because they got nothing else in their life to hang on to or look forward to, he's got them on the hook. And they gotta have the supplements he's selling because what if they're poisoning the water? Well, these you know these are these are these are supplements that are going to help you. Well, what if they are chemtrails coming out of the planes that are looking to change your mood and behavior? Well, you need those air filtration systems. And what if the government is planning on taking your guns away? And what if they are planning a purge in an enslavement camp uh, for anybody that's not a you know a white Aryan American? Well, you better have a fucking survival kit or the opposite. What if the Mexicans rise up? What if the immigrants rise up? Well, you need a survival kit to protect yourself against the insurgents. Do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see where this is? This is so easy to break down and disseminate. It's not even funny. But the point of this whole entire thing is... Nothing gives Facebook or YouTube or any other social media tech company platform the right to control or influence free speech. You don't bury these troubles. You fucking shine a light on them. And you expose them for the monotony of their messaging, the simplicity of their thought process, and the absolute fallibility in their arguments. That's how you beat this stuff. You beat this stuff with truth, fact, nuance, context. You don't, you don't beat this by pushing it in the closet. You don't do that. And you, I say you who I'm speaking to, you don't do that. You want to engage with these people. That's why I encourage people always. It's like, okay, cool. what, what's your political leaning? Okay, I'm I'm a liberal. Okay, cool. How much conservative media do you follow? And vice versa, you're a hardcore conservative. How much of the liberal media do you follow? Because if the answer is none or almost none, you're not doing yourself any any favors. We got to do we got to do cross spectrum coverage, and have cross spectrum opinions. It's just. Without it, we're lost. Without it, we're lost. And without it, we put our faith in these tech companies who are only about profit anyways. And profit is about, in the advertising world, profit is about confirmation bias. I want to show you an advert that I know you're going to like, right? If I've been searching for holidays in uh, Paris, why the fuck would I want to see an African safari? No, you don't do that. You show me tours around the Eiffel Tower, you show me tours around the Chandeliers, you, you, you know, boat tours down the, down the Seine, right? That's what you show me. If I'm shopping for basketball shoes, you don't show me sandals. This is advertising. It's confirmation bias. That's all advertising is. We wanna show you contextually relevant ads. We wanna show you contextually relevant content. Why? Because you're more likely to buy it. That's it. That's all Facebook is. That's all YouTube is. And both of them are terrible at it, by the way. And they're the best at it in the market. But they're both terrible. Right? So they are never going to be a fair arbiter um, of free speech, of free express content. Because they have an agenda to make money. They have an agenda to make more money this quarter than they did last and so on and so forth into infinity. Because if they don't, they're not following the capitalistic model of growth and success. And therefore, they're a failure. They don't return dividends to their shareholders. Their shareholders sell. That company goes bankrupt and see you fucking later. So Facebook are never gonna stop selling your fucking data or analyzing your data. I don't care what they say or how much they appear to be you know, GDR compliant in Europe or whatever it is. Not a fucking chance because as soon as they can't target you with contextually relevant adverts, and contextually relevant content and echo-chamber conformi- confirmation-biased-based content, they're out of business. They're out of business. They don't want Facebook to be a place of controversy. They want you to see all the nice little shit that you want to follow and nothing else. So that's why you have to actively follow the opposite of what you're interested in. I don't just follow the shit that I like. I follow the shit that I don't like on purpose. So I know what the fuck the other side is talking about, and I can converse with somebody on equal footing or advanced footing across any spectrum of discussion. And I'm not saying I'm the world's fucking best negotiator or the best um, debater or anything like that, but I cover my fucking bases and I make sure I check out both sides of the story because then I can develop an opinion that's my own and not be relying on somebody else's monologue or thought process or whatever it is to inform my opinions on their own. You should form your opinions and the only way you can do that is by understanding both sides of the argument. You should be able to argue your point and the opposite of your point just as well, right? So I could be like, oh, okay, cool. Um, Are you in favor of the death penalty? And if you are in favor of the death penalty, you should be able to argue that point as much as you should be able to argue why you would be against it. If you don't, and if you can't, you don't understand the subject you're talking about. It's as simple as that, in my opinion. So I got a problem with these tech companies thinking that they are the ones that dictate what and what is not free speech and appropriate content distribution. I mean, for fuck's sakes, I post fitness videos with music in the background of my gym and they cut me for copyright infringement. How fucking sophisticated do you think that these programmers are, that these mechanisms and these APIs and these algorithms that they run to pull this content in, how good do you think that is? You think there's a human doing that? There is not. There is not. Maybe if you raise an appeal, good luck doing that on Facebook for some copyright infringement based content that you are banned for. Good luck. You don't have an appeal process. It is, this is our decision. Five day ban. Can't post anything. Fuck you, Facebook. How about that? YouTube. Do you confirm that everything in this video is wholly owned and and, uh, licensed by you? Yep. Yep. Oh, well, you didn't have this license. No, because it was a fucking soundtrack playing on the radio in my gym, you stupid motherfuckers. And you're going to tell me what is free speech and what is not? Fuck off. Fuck off. We got to be real careful where we let these tech companies go, man. I'm telling you because it's the whole thing, right? You call everybody a Nazi. You don't recognize the Nazi coming down the road, right? You ban free speech and you don't know what you've lost until it's actually gone. And once these things are gone, you don't get them back. So, wake the fuck up, please. And anybody that's on this level with me, fucking welcome to the party. And if you're not, just go back, rewind a little bit, listen to what I've been saying, and maybe check it out. Maybe go subscribe to Fox News. If you're a uh, CNN Watcher, go follow Al Jazeera. If all you do is follow British or American based companies, right? Have you watched RT? Have you watched uh, China today? Have you watched any of these other news outlets? Do you read Reuters? Do you read the associated press? Are you really involved in the public discourse in any shape or form? Or are you just saying, nah, I like them, I'm going to follow them because they think what I think. If you're that person, fuck off. You don't belong here. Fuck you. I'm telling you now, fuck off. You don't belong here. This is an audience and a platform for discourse on both sides. Comprehensive discourse. Do I have my own biases? Of course, we all do. But I'll put them aside when I'm having a debate with somebody to just focus on the facts. You have to. You have to. But I am not a fan of Facebook and YouTube censoring content. Unless, like I said, caveated with those points before. That's all I'm going to say about that. I was going to read a little statement that Alice Jones Um, actually put out about this whole thing. But the statement effectively just says, this is an attack on us. Go buy my products. He's using even this as a way to shift merch. Okay? Just be careful who we let have this amount of power over what we can and what we can say. Right? It's like the attack on comedy. You know? You can't do it. Comedy is the last bastion of free speech. We lose that. We are truly fucked. Right? If we didn't have free speech, maybe we would have blocked Donald Trump on Twitter. Then what kind of gems would we be missing? You know? Because we're going to stay on the piece of shit train here and we're going to talk about that orange face fuck. Okay? So... He's been in jail In jail. Fuck me. How about that for a Freudian slip? He's been president for two years now, right? Near enough. Right? Year just over a year and a half. In January, right, about two years. I know. I know. I can't believe it's been that fucking short a period of time either. It seems like we've had this cunt in power for half a decade already. And I say we because America and the American political influence and trade and you know all of that that affects us all so I say we as a global we not America we right because obviously I'm not American um, obviously I don't live in America but if you don't think that I can have input into this subject you better find another podcast to listen to because you're in the wrong fucking place um My problem with this guy is this he's a piece of shit (laughs) to the bone, right? I mean, look back at any of the testimony, at any of the accounts of business people that interact with him uh, in New York through the 80s when he was building up this real estate um, empire, uh, for lack of a better word, branding exercise, more accurate probably. Um, He is a crook through and through. He is a fucking liar. He is somebody who will say something, do the opposite. He will sign an agreement and break it. He will fuck you over. He will marginalize your business opportunities. He will not pay you if you work for him. You know he's a proper piece of shit. He's clearly had extramarital affairs. You know, and I'm hitting him personally here, right? These are the personal problems, right? But they're also professional problems that have now stemmed into his um, his his position at the top of the free world the fuck knows how it got there but well I know how it got there but that's that's a conversation for a different day my problem here is this um, is this constant just lying retracting but then double down doubling down on the lying right so he he admitted and there's tape of it that he didn't know anything about the meeting that happened between the Russian lawyer and people from his campaign, right? He's, he's openly said that. Now, it comes out that, oh, surprise, surprise, the meeting that happened between his son at a hotel that he owned that was about gathering information around a campaign opponent that he was running against he knew something about no shit right no shit you knew about we all fucking knew you were lying so he's admitted that he knew that his son met with the Russian lawyer to get info on the opponent so Two things are absolutely clear now. He is absolutely guilty of lying to the American people. And that will definitely have some implication on this wider investigation. Now, to what consequence and to what degree? I don't know. I'm not a fucking lawyer. But I know that the guy running the special counsel, Robert Mueller, is one of the most... From all accounts that I've read, looked into, and, you know, watched videos of, and read news articles of, all that, this guy is one of the most, like, uncorruptible fucking stand-up guys you can find in that city. That's why he was voted, right? They had to have a special vote when, because, so basically, this guy was a George W. Bush guy, Right? He was such a fucking stand-up guy, Obama was like, I want to keep you around. And they had to have a special vote to do that. The vote was with 100 people. Do you know what the number was? It was 100 to none. Everybody was like, absolutely. Fucking bang on. This guy's a stand-up guy. Integrity out the ass. Like, come on. There's no question. Why are you even asking the question, right? It's kind of like a formality. But all of a sudden, this fucking guy comes along. And he's lying about this, that, and the other thing, and he's trying to sh- he's trying to throw shade on this Mueller investigation. And I just wonder what the consequences of that are going to be, because the latest developments on this are that I guess for the last eight months, Robert Mueller and his special and counsel's uh, special investigation, special counsel um, team have been negotiating with the president's lawyers to have Trump answer questions to Mueller. Uh, about this investigation right Mueller's got some questions he has told him he's not investigating him which I've stated on this podcast numerous times this investigation about is about Russia's involvement and who if anybody associated with Donald Trump's campaign could have helped facilitate that right this has never been Donald Trump um Donald Trump colluded directly with the Russians of his own merit um so we're investigating him, and whether he was involved in illegal activity. That's not it. It might lead to that as a matter of consequence, but it's never been about that. It's been about a foreign government affecting the outcomes of a sovereign country's elections, democratic elections, and all the um, all the intelligence communities have unanimously agreed that absolutely Russia did this. Russia did this, right? So, with Trump now admitting that he knew his son was meeting this lawyer to get dirt on an opponent, which was absolutely Hillary Clinton, we know that for sure, um, it's, it's leading us down a bit of a funky path. It's leading us down a bit of a funky path. And I don't know what the, um, I don't know what the consequences, like, If is he liable to be charged just because he's now publicly lied about, like, is this obstruction in this investigation? Because he was clearly asked, did you know that your son was meeting a lawyer to get information about an opponent? He said no. Flat out lied multiple times, but he did know. Because he's now said it publicly that he did know. So is that an absolute, it's not perjury because it's not under oath, but is it an obstruction? Is it obstruction of justice, and can it be used against him? And does it lead to does it lead to the fact that he was more involved in this than than he's previously admitted? I'm gonna hazard a guess and say yes, right? I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw a wild fucking shot in the dark. I'm gonna throw it at the bullseye with my eyes closed and hope I hit a triple twenty, right? I don't know, but it doesn't look good. That is for sure. And it just reinforces what a piece of shit Donald Trump is at the heart of hearts. When you deep down, you you strip away all the tangerine peel off his fucking body, you know, open him up. It's a piece of charcoal in there. Right. It's a fucking piece of charcoal. It's an empty vessel in there. Right. The KFC King's got nothing inside. He just wants to win. He wants to win for his own gain. So I wonder how far they've gone. But it's a very, very interesting turn of events to hear him admit it. This is why they need to shut him up, right? Because if they don't shut him up, this is why they don't want him going in front of Robert Mueller. Because Robert Mueller is a 70-year-old fucking savage that's been in the game since the 70s and has presided over some major, first week of his job under George W. Bush, 9-11 happened. He started handling that inquiry. I mean, come on, man. This guy is a savage. This guy is a savage. He's going up against a guy who doesn't know the difference between would and wouldn't, apparently. Apparently. You know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't, like an N apostrophe T is going to solve all of the other previous statements you've made about how much you want to suck Vladimir Putin's cock and how much you believe and how strong and powerful he is when he stands up and denies it. Yeah, he's a fucking KGB. He's made a career off of lying, manipulating, fucking interrogating, telling people lies, misdirection. Are you fucking... I mean... It's really a joke, right? It's really a joke. If you look at it pragmatically, it's such a joke. (coughs) So, like I said, I'm not judge, jury, and executioner here, but it seems pretty damning. And it's the same with the Stormy Daniels thing. He didn't know Michael Cohen fucking paid this girl off. Well, it turns out that the same bank account that paid for um, the 130 that paid off Stormy D was the same one that they were fucking uh, using to do these negotiations with the Russian lawyer with. What the fuck else do we need to know? Of course we need to know more. Relax, Daryl, relax, don't jump to conclusions. Of course we need to know more. And based on the way that Robert Mueller handles his business and evidenced by the way he brought down the indictments on the 12 Russians, um, he's gonna be very thorough with this. Right. So that's why you're hearing now whispers of, you know, Trump calling for Jeff Sessions to shut down this investigation now as a opinion. Right. Sarah Sanders said as an opinion. Well, unless this guy's a complete fucking moron, he will remember the fact that Jeff Sessions cannot stop this investigation because he's recused himself from being a part of the investigation because he was compromised too now what's he gonna do is he gonna unrecuse himself and then stop the investigation or are they gonna get rod rosenstein to halt this investigation what's gonna go on here very very interesting times but it definitely stinks of a man more panicked than confident. Right? He lacks the courage of his convictions in terms of this. Right? He's easy to make quick, bold threats against people in a weaker position than him. But he when he's told to shut the fuck up because it could put him in fucking prison. And I'm I'm guessing what his advisors are telling him is not far off. He backs off a little bit, which is what he's done now. And not only does he back off, but he tries to do a distraction piece, right? So what you'll notice is he went after LeBron James and Don Lemon, right? Because obviously LeBron James called him a bum, right? Which was a a fairly benign insult. So he writes a tweet that says, uh, LeBron, uh, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man in media, Don Lemon. He made LeBron James look uh, intelligent, which is hard to do. I like Mike. I think that's actually, and I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I think that's verbatim. Um, I mean, what a scumbag, right? This guy separating kids from their parents. This guy's got a Muslim ban on on majority Muslim countries, right? a travel ban on um, Muslim majority countries. He has um, done everything from referring to a politician as Pocahontas, when she claimed she was some uh, part Native American, uh, to calling the Mexicans rapists, to um, putting Listen, This 4.1% growth that the US economy is doing is a fucking pipe dream. If you think this thing's going to continue indefinitely, you're a fucking retard. If you think that this is because of Trump's tariffs or any of the tax um, relief that he's imposed, you're a fucking dummy. It may have a little bit of a bump to it, but we're playing a cycle of economics here that is going to end in a few years and we need to be real careful about it. Because he's got to own these numbers when they go good and when they go bad, right? He didn't want to own them when they were bad when they started. He said, oh, this is all shit, even though they were growing. Even though they were growing, he says, not enough, right? And now he's inherited the manifestation of the long-term financials on that, which have actually lasted a little bit longer than they normally do in terms of financial cycles. But he's going to have to own the other thing as well. So he better fucking hope to Christ that he's either in prison or gets uh, kicked out or loses the next election. Before this collapse happens, because we are going into a recession, I follow too much financial news not to understand. From the um, from. I would say some pretty fucking reliable sources that That a a bubble is about to bust we are going into another recession, and it's going to be worse Potentially than the last one that we went into and because we didn't fix the last one We're not going to be able to fix this one either Except we're not going to be able to bail people out because we don't have the money because we didn't recover enough this 4.1% growth is quantitative easing this is government um insertion of help and and financial assistance this is not real economic growth so he's gonna have to own that right he's gonna have to own that big time and the, and the consequences of what he's been doing he's already being felt in america right harley davidson are already pissed off right uh the farmers i think i mentioned it earlier have to be bailed out to the tune of 12 billion dollars because Um, well, something to the degree of like 80% of soybean farmers export to international markets. Those tariffs are now higher. Their product is in less demand because it's more expensive and therefore they're going broke, okay? Corn, same thing. Most of the corn produced in America is not for Americans. It's for abroad. Most of the soybeans that are produced in America are not for Americans. They're shipped abroad. This is the export market, okay? If you put tariffs... On other countries and they impose them back strategically on your biggest exports, you get fucked. And the industry that you promised to support, look after, grow, and protect, now you can only do that by bailing them out. It is the first initial sign on on the larger scale that these tariffs and this trade war that he's trying to impose on countries is not working. Okay. Now, shifting a little bit because I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, I never take breaks on this show. When I go, I press record and I go. There's no editing, there's no stopping, there's no coming back in, none of that. However, I have been suffering from some really fucked up things the past few days. One, I got to get a root canal. My face is on fire with the pain that's going into my nerve um, from one of my back teeth. I seem to have broken my foot out of nowhere and woken up and can't walk and this has been going on now for the past four days and I'm working on remedies for all of them I've also sliced my finger open and it feels like my left hand has a fracture down the ring finger of it so I'm a bit of a broken man at the moment so in all honesty and full disclosure I had to pause this I started this podcast actually a few days ago and I've had to come back to it and pick it up I was debating whether to tell you guys, but, you know, fuck it. We're, we're, we're talking here. We're all friends, right? So hang with me, right? I had to take a break because I was all fucked up, right? And, uh, and now I'm back. And I'm kind of glad that I did take a break because so much shit has transpired over the past couple of days that we can add to this, bring it current, and then distribute out, right? Because nothing on here is time sensitive other than the fact that I might have recapped the UFC event uh, that happened uh, the weekend past, not last and the weekend before. But I don't care. I don't care because it's all gonna be uh, out of date in a week anyway so it doesn't matter and that's why we keep pumping these motherfuckers out for you guys so let's keep it going, right? So what's happened since? Just because we're staying on that piece of shit train and speaking about perhaps the biggest piece of shit that we know of, let's talk about what else is going on because as a piece of shit, you generally surround yourself with other pieces of shit. And he has done just that. So, recent revelations are that, um, obviously this woman that he had working for him, Omarosa, who was um, a contestant on the Celebrity Apprentice or The Apprentice or whatever the fuck, um, you know her, black woman, horrible face, just terrible personality, She's a complete two-faced cunt, and it turns out that she was fired by General John Kelly. And this was done for a number of reasons, according to them. We don't know, probably never will, actually doesn't matter, um, but leads to what we're faced with now, which is the fact that she was recording numerous conversations throughout the last period of her tenure there, Um, and they've started to be leaked. First one was of her firing where General John Kelly is effectively saying, you know, you want to go down this, you want to do this the easy way, basically, because we can make shit difficult for you. And I'm paraphrasing folks. Okay. Um, the second one that was released was her calling Donald Trump and saying, Hey, do you know I was fired? And him saying, Oh my God, I didn't know. Uh, Amorosa, I didn't know. Uh, they run such a big organization and such a big operation. And I had no idea. That's terrible. You know I love you. Right? Like all of this shit. And then he sends a tweet out saying, Wacky Amorosa. She was fired three times. Couldn't hack it. Begged me for a job. Crying, in my, crying into her hands. So I felt bad on her. She's terrible. She's junk. See you later. Right? So... We've got this tape and these tapes that she's got, they present a massive problem for a couple of reasons. One, that's gotta be a national security risk um, in terms of how the operational side of vetting people that go into these sensitive areas um, is carried out. The fact that they can't tell that someone has a live recording device on them during their time in the situation room, but also the type of people he's surrounding himself with being wholly unreliable, but also taking account all of that in terms of how shady of a piece of shit she is, how useless a piece of shit this administration is. We haven't even talked about what's on the tape yet because Michael Cohen is taping this guy. His fucking highest-ranking African-American staffer is taping this guy like You think the Russians don't have a tape on this motherfucker? Including probably video You're crazy. You're crazy. So I'm torn right Because on the one hand I'm like well Omarosa She's on borderline criminal behavior here, right? That's espionage to an extent, right? That's spying on somebody for the purpose of bringing them down. And that's what spies do, right? She says, it was to protect myself. Get fucked. It was to write a book and get TV appearances. You fucking media slag. That's it, right? So on the one hand, I'm like, well, she's a massive piece of shit that shouldn't have been doing this. And if there's charges that can be levied against her, they should be. But at the same time, I'm like, well, we definitely need to hear what's on the tapes because apparently he says the N-word and apparently he's pretty blatantly racist and horrible to people and, you know, blah, 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 all this other shit. So I want to hear the media. I want to hear the media that she's got out. But I'm also like, I'm also kind of like, well, she's a piece of shit. We shouldn't be propping her up as anything other than a scumbag because she is a scumbag. and then i'm kind of like well why should i care why why should i care that she recorded this guy saying you know some shady shit or some other guys in the administration saying some shady shit why should i care they fucking hired her they brought her in so you reap what you sow right and it all really boils down to a level of incompetence across the administration that I don't think we've seen before and also shows a level of disconnect and how uninterested Donald Trump is in terms of the, um, in terms of like the day-to-day and what's actually going on in the White House. He seems oblivious to a lot of it. And I don't know if that's just like more protectionist or what, but it doesn't look good. And... I'm really interested to kind of see what comes out of this now, like what other tapes there are, what else is said. You know, we're not done. You know, Giuliani goes on all of these like media outlets saying, oh, September 1st, and we're done with this. This needs to be wrapped up and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, if you watch Fox News for five minutes, they're like, well, you know, what does Mueller, what, what doesn't Mueller have that he, you know, that he needs to ask the president about? Well, in my opinion, why doesn't the president just fucking go down there and talk to him? Worried about being set up in a perjury charge? Nah, not gonna happen, guys. Not gonna happen. I'm not a fucking lawyer. I, I haven't passed the bar exam. But what Jay Z said, I ain't passed the bar, but I know a little something. Fucking, it's not gonna work like that. They're not after him for some meaningless fucking. Oh, he said, she said, bullshit. That's not what this is about. They're going after some shit here. So it's just uh it's just kind of funny to me that they're that they're delaying all of this stuff and they seem to be you know they're blaming it on robert Mueller taking ages but yet they're they're vehemently negotiating the terms of what a sit down would look like so it just it just stinks to me i don't like it um but however this goes it's just you know let's just get it wrapped up um so i'm a bit torn on that but at the end of the day we'll see what happens um kind of switching a little bit now i just want to i just want to draw some attention to something that happened in london this morning it looks like we've got um it looks like this morning a crazy person drove into a group of cyclists near westminster bridge um, which is, you know, around the year anniversary when the uh, Westminster Bridge attack happened. Um, this guy ran into a bunch of cyclists and then uh, tried to drive into the House of Commons uh, or the House of Parliament and crashed his car. He's subsequently been arrested. Few people are injured. Uh, no fatalities, thank goodness, but they are treating it as a terror attack, whether it's a terror attack of the kind that we are. You know, becoming more and more familiar with, by groups that we are more and more familiar with, or if this is just a single kind of lone crazy person, we will, we will find out. They have a uh, press conference on now, um, which I'm not listening to and don't have the subtitles on, so I can't inform you of what's being said. Um, however, uh, he, the guy has been arrested on terrorism charges, which you, know, you, can, you can imagine. Um, and it doesn't look like again there are any fatalities. so so that's great uh, great news in terms of you know what could have been a, a terrible, terrible situation. Um, I think that's it guys. We're we're an hour 44 hour 45 in and, like I said, I've pieced this together because of some health issues that have kind of afflicted me and kept me off the mic for a few days. But I'm feeling well enough now, where I could jump back on, and I just want to finish this, get this out uh, this evening, so um, so we can keep these streams going. Because uh, if I remember correctly, I think this is episode 49 um, of the show. I'm just gonna have a quick look, and we will and we will confirm all of that. Um, what are we on? Yeah, this is episode 49, um, and we covered a lot of good shit. Now, the, the last couple things I want to touch on, one I touched on, uh, I think, in the last episode, which we were talking about, um, you know, how it's not anti-Semitic to uh, criticize Israel um, and Benjamin Netanyahu, the fucking PM of Israel has come out and started having a go at Jeremy Corbyn, telling him, making up lies about him, uh, to do with like, you know, his support of, of the Palestinians or his, uh, anti-Semitic rhetoric against Jews in England, you know, it's, which is Jeremy Corbyn basically came out and said, Uh, That's a flat-out fucking lie, and actually what we need to be concerned with is the, you know, hundreds of Palestinians that have been murdered this year by Israeli forces, which I thought was like a fucking hard, strong clapback, which this piece of shit Netanyahu needs at every opportunity because this guy's a fucking terrorist. He's a terrorist. He's occupying another country's land and has been for God knows how many decades now since 1948 and it's just gotten worse. The encroachment that these settlements that they develop the way that they, they, um, they ration livelihood and resources to the Palestinian people, the way that they go in there and fucking blockade them or tear down and bomb their fucking houses and, and ruin their medical facilities or, you know, beat their children up with absolutely zero fucking recourse other than the sticks and stones and um, kites on fire that the Palestinians can muster up to defend themselves with. So Benjamin Netanyahu, like I've said before, can fucking go jump off of a fucking cliff, okay? Um, Anybody that supports him, fuck you. I got no time for you, no time for you. You wanna have a debate about it? Let's have a fucking debate about it, okay? I would love to have a debate with anybody about this. And I'm not an expert. On geopolitical foreign policy and relationships or anything like that but I know where I fucking stand on this issue and if you think that Israel is not in the wrong I'm happy to have a fucking debate with you about that any day of a week so how have, have at it have at it I got to get it off my chest because we sit around and we let these fucking douchebags who by the way if you saw one of these pieces of shit in the street and they didn't have their security detail around them they're nothing and again, I'm not fucking, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh Darren Till. I'm not fucking Conor McGregor. I'm not fucking Mike Tyson. But I'll tell you what. These fat bloated pieces of shit wouldn't stand a chance in the real world. If they weren't protected by their authority and the people paid to protect them. Benjamin Netanyahu. You ever seen this motherfucker? Oh, ex-military, ex-military. Is he? He's 65 years old. Maybe 30 years ago he would have stood a chance of defending himself against a man face to face when making such cr- incredibly racist claims about another another group of people. Donald Trump same thing. You think he talks shit like this to somebody in his face if he didn't have a security detail with him? Would he fuck? I don't give a fuck how big he is, 6'3", 250 whatever. He's still going down like a sack of shit. I'm sick and tired of these fucking bullies, man. It's terrible. We got to stand up to them. It's disgusting. Fucking anti-Semitic. The Labor Party's got an anti-Semitism problem. Does it? The conservative foreign minister or foreign secretary who just fucking quit, he was the one that said women in hijabs and burqas look like letterboxes. That didn't come from Jeremy fucking Corbyn kind of does make you look like a letterbox to be honest but it's still not appropriate thing to say obviously as a government minister as an ex-government minister you have to have a bit of decorum but he doesn't want to apologize for it and fair enough he shouldn't have to because that's freedom of speech right he didn't say attack all people who who look like letterboxes he didn't say that he just said that's what i think was it insensitive sure was it ignorant sure but it's his right to do it if he wants to be an insensitive ignorant prick that's his prerogative let him do what he wants to do he's not fucking hurting anybody oh but he's setting us back oh is he? oh he's setting it back okay cool so we got an anti-semitic problem in the labor party we got uh, an islamophobic um, problem in the Tory party um so what do we do? what do we do? We let foreign officials dictate how we run our domestic policy. I'm not up for that. Especially not coming from people like these dickheads. I'm not up for that at all. So, you know... Not that I want him to choke on a chicken bone, but if Netanyahu happened to get something lodged in his throat and nobody helped him, that, you know, wouldn't be a disservice to the world, let's just put it that way. But who the fuck do these people think they are? And I said it on the last show, I'm pissed that Jeremy Corbyn apologized to these pricks because fuck those guys, anti-Semitic. It's really funny to me, That a group of people that were subjected to one of the worst genocides in human history have the nerve to do it to someone else and then tell people to stay out of their business. Do you understand the irony in that, the contradictive thinking in that, that the leader of Israel, which is an illegitimate state, just saying, but the leader of Israel who will call for the death penalty on anybody that is a Holocaust denier or even wants to question its validity, right? Or will make international attacks via Twitter on other politicians when they say anything remotely anti-supportive of Israel. I mean, if you want to get an idea of how deep of a motherfucker this is, watch the documentary, uh... Peace propaganda and the promised land I think it's called or pro yeah I think it's peace promise and propaganda uh, peace peace propaganda and the promised land I think it's called anyways it's basically a documentary that shows the the complete influence that the Israeli uh, government have over The UK and and more specifically America and how deeply intertwined with the fabric of that society the influence goes and why Americans have an innate trust and like towards Israel, or at least a lot of the fucking idiots do, um, is because there's a propaganda machine, you know, propelling that thought process, right? Um, Similarly, the other way, if you go against it, the anti-Semitic rhetoric that they come out with is just, you know... It's such a firestorm, um, and and you can completely see where this influence comes from. And then, not not to mention, obviously, the influence that they have in the um, in the economic world, in the political world, in the business world, in the film world, in every single industry. Right? There's some high-ranking individuals um, from the Jewish community. Right? So their their effect is widespread. Their influence is widespread, and. Um, it needs to be broken the sense of what is going on here needs to be broken and that's why i was really happy when jeremy Corbyn sent this tweet out um, denouncing what netanyahu had said as a bull-faced lie and then hitting back with the fact that palestinians are dying daily at the hands of this guy and his military that's the official position that the uk has always taken On the Israel-Palestine conflict. Is that Israel is occupying a sovereign nation. And continuing to do so. Is a UN violation. It's a human rights violation. And should be addressed immediately. But it's not going to be. Because of Israel's influence. And the way they carry that influence. And the way they manifest that influence. Um, So I just wanted to bring it up because it made me furious. And when these autocrats and these, you know, war criminals, for lack of a better word, just run rampant at the mouth, it makes me want to take them by the hair and smash their fucking face off the curb. Donald Trump, Netanyahu, fucking Duerte in the Philippines, these sorts of douchebags, fucking pathetic, pathetic, weak, micro dick, little maggots. Nothing more. And I'm sick of it. And people need to fucking stand up to these people, talk shit to their face, and call them, call them out for the bullshit that they spit every time they spit it. Everybody need to get on board with this, man. Be vocal. Don't be ignorant. Check your facts. Do your studies. Know what the fuck you're talking about to a degree. Because, again, I'll tell you what. Do a little bit of studying. you know 90%... You know more than 90% of people trying to talk on that subject, right? It's like, talk to a religious person about religion if you've actually studied religion. Because the average religious person has not. And you can dance circles around them in terms of the scripture, in terms of the meaning of the scripture, decoding the scripture, the history of religion, the way it's been plagiarized, etc., etc. The fallacies and the fallibility of religion the archaic nature of religion you know what i'm saying you dance circles around them i did it with a jehovah's witness that was peddling fucking uh, pamphlets outside of a train station one day right you dance circles around them. so you need to study a little bit so you know what you're talking about and you need to study both sides which is what we mentioned earlier in the show you need to be able to talk i need to be able to i need to be able to argue your point which is opposite of mine just as strongly as i can argue my own Then we're ready to have a debate. Then you're ready to take on a conversation. Then you're ready to have an argument. Then you're ready to put your point across because you'll have one. Because you have perspective. And speaking of perspective, a little bit of perspective could have been taken by companies like Monsanto, uh, Bayer, um, before they put these products out into the market. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a um, a groundskeeper in the States who has uh, maybe like a month, uh, maybe a month to live, a couple months. Uh, if you haven't heard about this gentleman, um, he's just been awarded a settlement of $290 million because he was a groundskeeper at a school and for... I don't know, 10 years, maybe more, he was spraying Roundup, which is a weed killer, on the plants at this school. But because of the nature of his job, a lot of that blew back on him. His hands, his face, his feet, his wherever, right? It doesn't matter. But he was exposed to a high level of this and he started developing blisters and cancers and and things like that. Now he has cancer terminal. Um. And he's been awarded this, and my concern is that it's not gonna do anything, you know. And this is one of the reasons why I grow my own produce. I try to be as self-sustaining as possible. Try to stay away from things in plastic wrappers, things that have more ingredients on them than uh, than you know than you can even count. None of which you can pronounce, um, unless you're a chemist. Um, you know, it's why I try to stay away from these things. You know, um, it's a really, really sad story, and very, very little, very little compensation comes from the money that he's being awarded in the settlement because he's not going to be around to spend it. I mean, the you know, if he's got a family, which I don't know a lot about the man, um, you know he uh, he could pass it on to them, but nevertheless, he's he was just doing his job and he was poisoned by a corporation who doesn't give a fuck. Now we're seeing bear stock drop 10% in the wake of this. Not enough. People in the market need to stop buying their fucking aspirin and stop buying their products. And I'm gonna post a list of their products on our uh, Facebook page so you guys are aware. So check that out because we have to talk with our wallets. We have to talk with our money and we can't let these companies just go on operating willy nilly. And they're so intertwined in our society, it's super hard. But you can do it. You can do it. I don't buy any products from fucking Unilever. I don't buy any products from Bayer. I don't buy any products from Monsanto. And after this list confirmed it, for the most part, there are a couple on there that, you know, up until, you know, not too, too. Um, too long ago I have used not not anymore they're blacklisted to me and we can make these changes to hold people accountable because you cannot you cannot count on things like government uh regulation and fines and things like that right like people were before people were saying oh my god Facebook has been fined half a million dollars for like data breach or something like that. It's like, oh, did they? Okay, cool. So if that was handed to them at eight o'clock in the morning, by nine o'clock, they've made triple that off one section of Facebook. You can't find these companies unless you find them like they did to uh, Gawker in the Hulk Hogan thing, and you just absolutely wipe them out, bankrupt them. That's the only. That's the only compensation. That's the only penalties that can be imposed that make any difference. Finding a company like uh, Bayer Pharmaceuticals or Monsanto a billion dollars does nothing. Absolutely nothing. What you need to do is you need to find them sixty billion dollars, or two hundred billion dollars, or find out how much they're worth and find them that. And put them out of business. Because we don't fucking need them. We don't need them. And if anybody, company, whatever, knows that they're poisoning people and actively denies it or makes excuses for the behavior, we do not need. The only way we're going to get rid of them is by talking with our wallets. And that brings us to the part of the show sponsored by McDonald's serving billions and killing millions for 50 to 60 years, Do you fancy feeling like shit all the time, feeling fat, looking terrible, looking sweaty, and not being able to breathe when you walk upstairs? McDonald's. There's one close to you. There has to be. They're in every fucking city in the world, and they're guaranteed to make you feel like shit. So get yourself on over to McDonald's right now. Grab yourself a Big Mac or a Happy Meal. Maybe supersize that and put a big fucking milkshake on it. You'll be fat, sweaty, disgusting, and riddled with cancer in no time. McDonald's. Serving billions for 60 years. So that's it, guys. I think we're going to wrap at that point. Um, I got to I gotta go. I got to do some other shit. But um, I'm sorry that we had such a delay in bringing you this episode. Um, I promise we're going to be more regular. I know I've been saying it week on week. It's just things have been a bit crazy, and I didn't expect or anticipate to have a busted foot, a root canal, a slashed hand, and a broken other hand um, all at the same fucking time. So I've been eating soup uh, because it's the only thing I can manage. Um, and I'm starting to waste away. So it's, uh, it's time to get on the mend. I have an operation, um, due on Monday, which is just an in and out. Um, so I should be good to go. Um, I'm going to try to bring you guys a show next week, probably midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. And that will be episode 50. So I want to make it a good one because that's a bit of a milestone. Halfway to the century mark is amazing. I didn't think we'd ever get there. Um, But I just, again, wanted to end the show by saying thank you so much because our last show was one of our best listened to. Um, The stats are growing. I see you guys joining on Facebook. I love it. Get involved. Let us know what you think. it's just, uh, yeah, it's really positive, guys, and I, and I just want to do my part to uh, to keep up my end of the bargain, which is just to bring you consistent quality content. Um, and I hope that's what you're. Uh, I hope that's what you're getting, and I hope that's what you know you're getting, and think you're getting, and feel like you're getting. Um, And I hope you keep tuning in. So uh, check us out on iTunes, check us out on TuneIn, check us out on SoundCloud, and I'd say check us out on Stitcher, but I've been checking the stats on that and it doesn't seem like anybody fucking uses that for podcasts, so it's there if you want it, but, um, no, uh, no obligations. iTunes and SoundClouds is the main one for us. Tune in probably third. Um, and then obviously we've got our Facebook and our Twitter pages where you can stay up to date, check out some of the stuff we've been talking about and, uh, and obviously get links to, uh, to the shows as they come out. So, um, so that's it. We're going to park it guys. Episode 49. Um, thank you again for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode coming out next week. If I don't speak to you, which I probably won't before, have a lovely weekend. Have a great time. And, uh, my name's Daryl. I'm your host as always. You know what it is. We're just talking here, man. We're all friends. Um, but, uh, but today's been a good one. We're over two hours and, uh, we're going to put a pin in it. So thank you again. Appreciate the support. Um, until next time, guys, all the best.